Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. I'm Mark J. Carter, your host. Today, we're going to discuss the right way to approach potential mentors, what not to do, how to foster the relationship after your first meeting, and even what mentors should and shouldn't do in mentoring meetings. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Bob Berg today. Bob is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over 925,000 copies, and it has been translated into 28 languages. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you, Bob, for being on the Idea Climbing Podcast. I appreciate it. Hey, Mark. Great to be with you. And I'd love to jump right in. I know mentoring is important to you, and it's an important way to give back to people, too. How did you discover mentoring? Was it just always in your DNA, or did you stumble across it somewhere about the college years? Oh, wow. That's a, a great question. And uh, it's not one I've been asked before. Uh, and I... I don't know. I, it was probably before college. I mean, I think whenever I had coaches in sports, they, some of them were mentors and some of them were horrible coaches and not good mentors. <laughs> uh, you know, I was very, very lucky to grow up with two great mentors and my parents. So that, that was a good start. But when we think of mentors as being maybe people outside the family that we meet, um, you know, there were, there were some teachers who, uh, especially when I was younger, who I, I kind of could look back and say they were they were mentors, though it wasn't necessarily the mentor-protege relationship that we usually talk about, which we can we can get into as well. So I think mentorship comes in different forms in a way. Uh, there are the ongoing mentor-protege relationships, and those are always fantastic. There are the um, there are the ones where you kind of there's a specific purpose for knowing someone. For example, one of my first sales managers, not my first one because my first one didn't really do a whole lot, but my second one was a wonderful mentor in terms of sales. I probably wouldn't have asked him for life advice, but as far as sales go, he was great. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so I, I considered him my, you know, first sales mentor. On the other hand, I read books by, Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar when I first got started, and they were like mentors, even though they weren't mentors that I knew personally. So I think mentorship comes in many different, many different forms. Uh, but I always had the, um, I think the internal knowledge that it was good to learn from someone who knew more than you knew and who was willing to take the time to, you know, to, uh, to do that. And if someone's listening and thinking, I like mentoring's important, it sounds good to me, the two-part question, the first part being, what should they do if someone's saying, I know I should have a mentor, but I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think one of the things is to congratulate a person who says that because it says that they know they've taken stock of where they are and they know that there's something they probably need to do that's going to uh, accelerate them, get them to where they, they want to go. So I think first, you know, it's, it's, it's always a good idea, all things being equal, uh, to, to find someone who has done what you want to do, you know, close, close to it. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly, but something uh, along that, that line. And 
if you can gather advice or help or counsel from them, that's you know always a fantastic thing. Doesn't necessarily have to be someone in the field that you are in, though. It could be anyone who has had uh, success, let's say, in in the business world, uh, and they also you you believe that they are very principle based, uh, and also that there's an alignment in terms of of, of styles in a way. What do you because, mean? Well, there are some people who do, you know, there's, there's more than one way to reach a goal, certainly. And you can even have, you know, you can have certain values that are similar, but different styles. I, like, just a, a, as an example, I don't know if you're familiar with Larry Wingett. Mm -mm. Larry is a, is a, um, uh, he's a speaker and an author, a former entrepreneur. I mean, he's just, he's fantastic. And he's, he's written a ton of best-selling books. But Larry, when he gets on stage, he is in your face, okay? Uh, you know, my imitation of Larry is, you know, he has a book, uh, one of his books, and he is, it's a, a typical Larry Wing. A title would be, um, you know, if you're broke, it's your own damn fault. That's, you know, that's Larry. So, you know, he gets on stage, if you're broke, it's your own damn fault. You know, if, if you're broke, don't go complaining to me. You're, you know, and, and he's really in your face. That's, that's Larry. He, he happens to be actually one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But on stage, that's a, kind of his, his thing. And it's not incongruent. He really is the type who he doesn't let anyone off the hook. He's one for you take the responsibility to do it. But he's, but he's nicer off stage. Yeah. Um, but his principles are very similar to mine in terms of bringing value to the marketplace. Uh, understanding that you know you only uh, you only attain when you give value to others, and that you know you do things the right way. So, but I'm different, okay. I'm you know I'm very tactful, okay, and I'm uh, I try to be considerate of that person's feelings and so forth. I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. But so Larry came to one of the events that I put on, as and he came as a speaker. And he was at the dinner for some of my certified go-giver speakers and uh, he was eating with us. And, and one of the people there, one of the newer speakers, she said, well, how can you two even be friends? Because you're so much different than each other. And what Larry said was, well, you know, we're not that much different when you think about it. Uh, we both utilize the same success principles. I'm just more in your face and Bob's managed to monetize being a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, you know what I mean? But, but probably Larry is a, I would take advice from Larry anytime, but probably he's not a mentor I'd necessarily relate to in the way that I do things. You know what I'm saying? And Larry wouldn't relate to necessarily the way I do things. He'd be impatient with me trying to, you know, so again, we, we have different styles. And so I think it's important uh, to, you know, to align yourself with the same, with the same basic style. But um, but I think it's a great idea, no matter what, to to look for ways that you can uh, that you can tap into the knowledge and the wisdom of a, another human being. And then again, when you're in a place that you can do that for others, it's great to be able to do that as well. And it's it's an honor to be able to do that. How how could people tap into? Because I've I think from what I've seen with my research, there's two schools of thought. Like I've always been very fortunate, and I've always had mentors since I started seeking them out. Before I called it mentoring, and I've never asked someone to be my mentor. It just happened organically. And then there's the other school of thought, which is go out and find one by asking someone to formally be your mentor. Where do you fall on that spectrum? What do you think? 
Yeah, it, it's a great question. It's it's not so much necessarily that it's an either or as much as regardless of the way you do it, I think there's a kind of a certain way to do it that's more effective than than the other. And, and let me give you an example. Um, uh, the second way you mentioned, there's a there's a lot of people, Mark, who will approach someone, you know, maybe they know them a little bit, not not much, or maybe they don't know them at all, or they just connected with them on social media or met them at a local event, what have you. And they admire that person. And they just say to that person, hey, would you be my mentor? The challenge with doing it that way, and it's not that it can't work, mm -hmm. but, the, but not usually. And the challenge with doing it that way is it's sort of like saying to someone you've just met, um, you know, would you share 30 years of your life experiences with me, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall? Now, it comes across maybe as a little bit entitled or as though you don't necessarily respect the process uh, or you feel you're owed something, and, and which it doesn't necessarily mean that's what the person's doing. It's just how it can come across. Uh, a mentor-protege relationship is just that. It's a relationship. And it's sort of like, you know, meeting someone and, and asking them to uh, marry you before going out on a date. You know, you, we've all heard that, that expression. So, and, it, and it's very similar. So I think what happens is when we ask someone like that, it, it, the person tends to really not take us as seriously as, as we would like. And so, but here's what you can do. I think you can pretty much reach out to anyone, even if you don't know them well. But rather than ask them to be your mentor, what I'd simply suggest is just to, just to say um, that, you know, I know you are very, very busy. And if this is not something that's either appropriate or something you even would like to do, totally understandable. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if I could possibly ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, when you do that, you've basically created a whole different frame. You've said, first, I, I don't feel this is an entitlement. This is not something you owe me. I realize you're very busy. This may not even be something you want to do, and I'm giving you the out or back door. You know, you get, you're not saying it, but that's what you're implying. But when you say one or two very specific questions, now, you know, most people, not, not everyone, but it doesn't have to be everyone, but most people are going to say, sure, of course, you know, what, what can I do for you or how, how can I help? Now, you want to really research this person, of course. Don't ask anything that you could have easily found the answer to through your online search, but ask a couple of good questions. Uh, listen intently to what they say. Don't take much of their time during this first conversation. Let them know at the end how very grateful you are. And then what I would do is as soon as you get off the phone, I would send them a handwritten brief personalized note of thanks. Not an email, not a, a text, a handwritten personalized note that just says, you know, thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, please know how much I appreciate it. I look forward to applying your wisdom right away and I'll let you know how, you know, how things are going or I'll check back event, you know, and let you know how, you know, however you want to end it in that way. A hand, hand, right, hand address it, hand stamp it, send it out. Now, what I'd also do is, and again, you can find this out just through a web search on this person, um, is find out what their favorite charitable cause is and make a small donation. It doesn't have to be anything big if you don't have the money, but just a small donation in their name. 
they'll be notified uh, and you know that it was done. And you're not doing it to kiss up to the person at all. You're doing it simply again to, to show you respect the process, that this is not something you take for granted and that you want to give value to them in any way you can, even though right now you're certainly not in the position to do so as, you know, as mm -hmm. they are for you. Now, uh, so you're gonna check back a few weeks from now and you're gonna maybe ask another question and it's gonna go, and if in time a formal or even informal, what have you, mentor-protege relationship is supposed to take place, it will. If not, it won't. It might be this person was there for one or two questions. It might be they're there for a couple of years. It might be somebody else is going to be the person who's going to be. But, you know, I mean, I, I like how, how you say you did it where you didn't necessarily ask, but you just, you put yourself in a position where you were probably around people like this. You found ways to give value to them. You found ways to make yourself best so that they knew you were a serious person who was in this for the, for the long haul. And that's who they're gonna invest their, their time and energy with. So I think, you know, either, so again, I don't think it's an either or, uh, but, I, but I think that when you go about it with respect and humility, I think you have a much better chance as opposed to just coming out and say, will you be my mentor? What's the other side of the coin as far as in addition to just coming out and saying, will you be my mentor, especially if you don't know anybody, like you said, it's marriage on the first date, it just doesn't work out well. What are other don't do this examples? Uh, I don't know that there's a, a lot of don't do's other than, you know, make sure you don't take up a lot of their time. You know, res again, I, I, I put this under respect the process, you know, make sure you're, make sure they don't regret, you know, having said yes to you. <laughs> you <know>? oh. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think that's really, you know, the big thing. Don't, uh, don't, yeah, but them, you know, which, you know, they give you some advice and you say, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's not that you can't ask them questions, but you want to make sure to kind of do a lot more listening than talking when you're, you know, with a mentor and, and try to find reasons to see how what they're saying works as opposed to, you know, being argumentative and, and so forth. Again, I'm, I'm not saying not to ask questions. I'm not saying, but you just need to, you know, you need to really be humble about it when someone is, is giving you their time like this. So in that case, it's shut up and take the advice. There's not a place to argue. Yeah. And, it, and, and by the way, if it's advice that, that is simply, again, incongruent with your values or your style and it's not the right thing, well, no, then of course don't do it. But I would and again, if it's appropriate, you can let the person know, you know, I'm just wondering, uh, and it's not that I'm in any way disagreeing because you've certainly, you've got more wisdom in your finger than I have in my entire body. I'm just wondering if I was to do this, would, you know what I'm saying? Now, again, let me give you, by the way, one quick example. And this was not a person who was a, an ongoing mentor to me, but I had a, just had a couple of conversations with him, but I'll, I'll show you. And it really said a lot about him in his character. I started out, Mark, as a um, broadcaster. I was in radio sports. And uh, one of my heroes was the, uh, the drive time uh, sports director for WHDH Radio in Boston. His name was Dan Davis. Now, I, I believe there was another Dan Davis that came along and he was with ESPN later, so it's not the same person. Uh, but this was a guy, his name was Dan Davis, had a great voice, Dan Davis, HDH Sports. Uh, he, just, he was fantastic. Uh, and so, and I was just starting out as a, a sportscaster. And so I, I um, had, a, so I met him, uh, we were both covering an event, and I met him, introduced myself to him, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. 
and I asked him a couple questions and just couldn't have been nicer. Uh, he even invited me to come to his station, which is the biggest station in Boston. Um, and I, uh, I did, and we were talking for a while. And, and so, uh, he was asking me, you know, what I do when I, when I'm doing an interview with someone. And I said, well, you know, um, Mr. Davis, what I do is I ask probably 10 questions and then it ends up one of them is, is any good. You know, the answer is really good. And we use that one on the air. And he goes, oh, no, excuse me. Take, let me take that back one quick second. He had said to me that he said what he does. He had said okay. what he does. He said, what I do is he said is, you'll notice, you know, I ask one question. I know what I'm going to ask beforehand and how it's going to fit with the story, which is, by the way, great advice. And he said, and so I asked that one question. We get it down and we have it ready. And I said, oh, man, I said, thank you. I've been doing it all wrong. I said, what I've been doing is I ask like 10 questions and then, you know, one of them ends up being one that has a good answer and we use that. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And then what he said, and I, I couldn't have respected him anymore. He said, Bob, you know what? He said, actually, you're right. At your stage of development right now, you don't necessarily know the right questions to ask. So I, he said, I've been doing this 20 years. He said, keep doing exactly what you're doing. I was wrong. You keep keep asking as many questions as you need to get the right answer, and you'll find that over time, you need to ask less and less. Now, that's a guy. That's a mentor, right? Because I'll tell you, even though it's not something like we did many more of those sessions, that's something I've remembered the rest of my life. So it's made it so that when I'm in a conversation with someone, and I give some advice that I think is right, and it probably is right for me or someone in my position, and someone says something different, they ask a question about, it reminds me of Dan Davis. And I say to myself, okay, Berg, check your premises. Was that the right suggestion for someone in that position? You know what I'm saying? So to me, I consider Dan Davis one of my mentors. How do you foster after, let's say they have the first conversation, the thank you note, the donation is done. How can you, without, and again, without saying, will you be my mentor formally, what are ways to foster that relationship to try and drive it forward? Oh, sure. Well, and nowadays with email and so forth, uh, it, it makes it even easier because you can easily drop this person an email and just say something like, you know, I have a, a question for you. Would you happen to have, you know, a spare uh, three or four minutes, and if not, absolutely not an issue. You know what I'm saying? And so it's very easy to, to do something like that. And of course, if they've given you permission to ask additional questions, that's even easier. But assuming that hasn't been done, drop an email, uh, a text if they've given it. Some of them liked it, would rather be. You know, it's again, we always know it's how they want to be contacted, not how we want to be contacted. So, you know, we do it that way. Um, and again, whenever you can, you know, there's times that you can actually connect that person with someone else. Um, and uh, just as an example, uh, there was, uh, you know, a time when I, when a person, and this was actually someone who was going to be a, uh, hopefully a client of mine in the future, but this but it, same principle worked the same way. There wasn't really a, a lot I could do for that person. But when I found out that his daughter had just graduated college in a certain field, I knew someone in that field and I, so I introduced that person to her father and she ended up doing an internship with that person. So, you know what I'm saying? So there's ways we can always look for ways to bring value to another person, even if we can't do it in such a way that business wise is going to be the same. 
So should that be, it sounds like that should be part of the conversation is if, 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 even if it's not, how can I help you asking them, what are you working on or who do you need to know? Does some, I mean, is that right? Well, how to, can I possibly be of service to you? I so appreciate, you know, what you, what you're doing. I'd love to in some way be able to, you know, be able to provide value to you. And, you know, again, if we ask that in an authentic, a sincere way that, you know, they're going to, they're going to at least appreciate the, uh, the effort. And, you know, again, if you're local with someone, uh, you know, if you, you can, if you, you can ask them if they'd like you to be your show, their chauffeur for a while or to, you know, pick up their laundry or, or run some, you know, or whatever, you know, there's always things we can do to try to make ourselves valuable. And again, it, it's not the, it's not everything's going to be appropriate in all different situations, but the ones that are, that's what we want to look for. How can you make yourself valuable to this person who you'd like to have as your mentor? And how about the other side of the relationships? If someone get, is getting approached to be a mentor and they're not sure what to do, what advice do you have for the would-be mentors? Because I've heard that sometimes where people say, I'd like to, but I don't know what to do. Just have coffee? I mean, what advice do you have for the mentors? I think you meet this person however it works out best for you. I mean, it's something where I wouldn't overthink it. If this person feels you can bring some value to them and you think you can if you're local, have a have coffee. I've had many cups of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts with people, you know, and, and so forth. And um, uh, because that's my comfort place, you know, that's where, where I go. I'll have, you know, I'll have a, a 20 to 30 minute conversation with anyone at my local Dunkin' Donuts. Um, so, you know, if, if that's where that, per, or someone might want to, might want to be on the phone, might want to be on, on uh, Zoom, you know, uh, where you can do a video and see each other on Skype. So I think whatever you're comfortable doing it, because remember these days it's long distance half the time, you know, it's not even, it doesn't have to be someone right within your own town, but you know, to me, face to face is always best, but um that's not always that's not always available so yeah i think the the medium is secondary i think the key is is there some value you can provide this person and is it something you choose to do it's not something that you may necessarily choose to but if you do uh you know and you don't over extend yourself um but you do it in such a way that you can bring value to others without it taking away from what you need to be doing. I think you find it, you know, I think most people find it to be a very, very rewarding experience. That, that's actually interesting with providing value as a mentor, if I can provide value. Is there a structure to the conversation or questions a mentor should ask? Because I have had mentors before say, I had a session, but I don't think I said the right thing. Uh, you know, I think it's usually more about listening, especially at the beginning to really know what this person even is wanting to do. Now, if it's something specific, if it's a system type of thing, well, that's different. You know, a system is a process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. That That's different. Um, that's not so much mentorship as instruction. But when it comes to to uh, to actual mentorship, I think it's usually just asking questions asking that person where they're at, where they're looking to go, what's the issue, what issues are they having now? It's determining their, you know, the swell, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Uh, and, and I think what happens is, you know, you start feeling comfortable with it once you do it. You know, it, it, can, it can be intimidating at first because you think, oh my gosh, someone wants me to, to mentor them or advise them. And, you know, do I really know what it is that I, yeah, you do, you do. Um, but it, but you know, you first need to know what it is you're, you're needing to, uh, to, um, to help them with. You know, one thing I always also make sure I do in the mentoring process 
is I always make sure, and you've heard me use the expression already, check my premises. I always make sure when they ask me a question, unless I am sure that I understand the exact circumstances uh, involved, I make, I, I, I make them explain, you know, I wanna know. Uh, if I, because what happens is we all, as you know, uh, we all see the world through our own unique viewpoint, right? The, our unconscious belief systems, I call it our unconscious operating system. And this is everything we've learned and had, you know, inputted into our minds and brains and conscious and unconscious before we were old enough to even know better. You know, it's everything from upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movie, you know, everything around us. So we all see the world from it. So a lot of times what happens is someone asks, well, what should I do if blah, 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 blah. Well, we're filling in blanks of what we don't know in their story. We don't know enough about their story. There's many blanks in their story, right, that we can't possibly know. But because we come at it from our own belief system, we automatically fill in the blanks based on our own experiences and our own belief systems. Very, very dangerous to that other person because we're at where we might be giving the perfect advice to the wrong question. Mm. And so it's very, very important that we ask a lot of, when you say so-and-so, can you explain that a little more or what were exactly the circumstances? Uh, how long had you known this person? But you know what I'm saying? And so it's really important to not assume that we know that this question is actually, that we're seeing the question from the same vantage point that they're seeing the question. I could see that being an, an accidental mistake that mentors oh, could make. And it happens, happens so often. Because again, unless we know that, uh, unless we're conscious, I should say, of the, because I think we all know that we see the world from different viewpoints. And you know, anyone who's, you know, any, anyone listening to this, any of us, we've read enough books, you know, we, we and, and listened to enough CDs and gone to enough stuff, we all know this. But unless we're conscious of it, it can be very dangerous. Yeah. Definitely. So in closing, if someone says, okay, now uh, you've given me keys to approach a mentor, but I'm on the fence, what is maybe one or two reasons, that the overarching, here's why you need to have mentorship in your life? What would you say? Oh, I, I'd say that, you know, it, it, that it, because it's going to cut your learning curve significantly. Uh, you know, they, they say, it, uh, you know, learn, learn from your own mistakes, that's fine. But if you can learn from other people's mistakes, it's even better. If you can learn from other people's experiences, that's the best. So it's one of those things where if, you know, someone's listening to this and they're feeling well, you know, I, I want to approach someone and yeah, I, I kind of get how you said to do it. And I, I but I just, I, I'm just feeling anxious and I, I don't really want to do it. Please know I understand. It's a very natural human feeling to kind of have some fear before asking someone because you don't, you know, no, none of us like to be rejected or told no, but just realize that if you do it the right way with respect and humility at the same time, confidently, uh, the person may say yes, may say no, but it will have nothing to do with you. It will just be a matter of it's not the right time for them. They have other things happening. This is not something they feel comfortable doing. You don't know. So be prepared like in any kind of sale to keep asking and doing it the right way and you're gonna eventually, the right person is going to be, uh, you know, the, the one who, who mentors you. You know, I, John David Mann, my co-author of the, the, with me of the Go-Giver series, we went through 26 rejections before we found the right publisher. 
So, and I mean, how many stories do you hear of the ones who've done that? But, you know, uh, I think Chicken Soup for the Soul went through hundreds of, of rejections or something before they filed or whatever it was. And, and they've sold half a billion books. So, you know, and, and it's just one of those parts of life. So, yes, I understand the fear. Absolutely. Uh, and go ahead and allow yourself to do it anyway. And, you know, and I can't tell you how many no's you're going to get or how many, you know, or how long till the first yes. But it will be work. It will be worthwhile to do it anyway. I think that's a perfect thought to close on. Thank you so much for your time, Bob. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to go to ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear other conversations about mentoring, marketing, and more.